0: You're listening to Creativity Quest, hosted by me, author and writing mindset coach, Carrie Schaefer. Join me and my guests on our quest to ditch our doubts, dance with our demons, and delve into creative delight. Creativity Quest is owned and copyrighted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Now, let's get creative. Creative people, Carrie Schaefer here, and welcome back to another episode of Creativity Quest. Today I have something super special and a little bit different from what we usually do. I have Warren Berger here today to talk about his new book, which is called The Book of Beautiful Questions. And as you know, I usually do fiction, but this book completely caught my interest, and you'll see why in just a minute. So I'm going to read a little bit from the back cover. Uh, in the book of beautiful questions, expert questionologist Warren Berger shares illuminating stories and compelling research on the power of inquiry. Drawing from the insights and expertise of psychologists, innovators, effective leaders, and some of the world's foremost creative thinkers, he presents the essential questions readers need to make the best choices when it truly counts, with a particular focus in four key areas decision making, creativity, relationships, and leadership. Now, obviously, I'm going to want to focus on the creative stuff today. I want to tell you just a little bit more about Warren, and then we're going to dive right in. So, other things about Warren that we may want to know. He's also the author of a best-selling book called A More Beautiful Question. So we can see that he totally is into questions. And his writing appears regularly in Fast Company, Harvard Business Review, The New York Times, Psychology Today, and others. And we're going to let Warren talk about anything else, so I'm just going to go ahead and introduce him. Hey Warren, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you, Carrie. It's really good to be here.
0: Awesome. Hey, you know, the very first thing I have to ask you is what is a questionologist and where did that come from?
1: Well, um, you know, when I, I've been studying questioning for a long time. So an, an ologist is is just someone who studies something, you know, so a zoologist, right? uh a, a proctologist, although we don't want to go there. <laughs> no, uh, no, we don't want to go there. <laughs> but you know, um, the, there is just uh, hundreds of ologies out there, and so as someone who's been studying questioning for oh gosh now twenty years, first as a journalist and then it kind of been specializing in studying the power of questioning. Um, I just looked around and said, "Well, is there an is there a formal study of of questioning?" And um, I discovered there was no ology for questioning, um, and being a questioner, I asked, "Why not?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So, uh,
1: and then I asked, "Well, what if I just declare myself a questionologist?" And I, I did so. I actually did so the first time in the in the pages of the New York Times. And um, how, did, I, how did that
0: get over? Go over just out of curiosity? Uh, did you?
1: This no one questioned it.
0: No No one yeah. questioned it. <laughs>
1: I kept, uh, I, I kept calling myself that, and and now um, it's kind of out there. You know, if, if you if you declare yourself an expert in this field and you and you you know you coin a term for it, it will pretty soon get all over Google, and uh, and now I'm I am the, the questionologist, and actually there are there are a number of other people doing the same thing. I they haven't necessarily adopted that title uh, in a formal way, but there are. You know, uh, probably a dozen questionologists roaming around the U.S. You know, who are doing exactly what I do, which is really zeroing in on the study of of questioning. You know, what what does questioning do for us? Um, you know, what's going on when we in our brains when we question? Um, what is a good question versus a not a good question? So people studying those uh, kinds of things. I think of them as fellow questionologists. And and I'm hoping to eventually make it a formal study. You know, I taught I go to universities <laughs> a lot. And I talk to them about, you know, may, how would we, how would we establish this as a formal study? So maybe it will happen uh, eventually. But for now, it's kind of an unofficial. Um, right. Well,
0: title. I love that I, I am as a writer, I've always been fond of, you know, sort of, invented words that you know what they mean and you know clearly questionologist is pretty clear and I honestly think it would be awesome to be able to go to university and get a degree in questionology that would be
1: yeah I think it'd be terrific (laughs) that would be one of the coolest
0: degrees ever so let's talk about um, the best questionologists the sort of natural birth of questionology which I believe um, you've mentioned begins when we're very young as as children and before i even um ask you anything about that i for for me i've always said this that you know people who tell me they're not creative i always tell them go go talk to a four-year-old you know find me a four-year-old that isn't creative you know they're full of stories and they draw things and they're completely uninhibited in their expression of of the creative process so And and I know you believe that as well. So would you like to talk a little bit about you know how how you have thought about that with children and questions? Yeah,
1: it's it's um yeah I, I think of them as the ultimate questioners. You know, I, it, when I'm talking to groups of people, sometimes I I'll ask you know who do you think is the ultimate questioner? And people will say Socrates, <laughs> you know, Einstein, and and I'll say no, actually it's a four year old girl. You know, uh, because. Because a four-year-old girl is asking more questions than anybody, Um, you know, like hundreds, hundreds of questions a day. And some of them are great, you know, some of them are maybe not so great. But occasionally, you know, uh, a child will ask just an amazing question that forces us to say, wow, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought of that. So, um, So I think of them as being these ultimate questioners. And I think what's going on there is, you know, it's just a period of rapid growth. And learning. So our curiosity is really peaking at that point. And then in addition to that, we haven't gotten those kind of social fears and pressures that cause us to, that, that inhibit our questioning. So, you know, we, we haven't reached that stage yet where we wonder, oh, gee, is this a good question? Should I ask it? Um, what will happen if I ask it? Um, what Will people make fun of me? We haven't reached that stage yet when we're four or five years old. We're, we're at the stage where we don't care about that stuff. So what we care about is learning and understanding the world around us at that age. And so that's why we're asking lots of questions. So one of the things I'm looking at now, you know, I, I go, I spend a lot of time at talking to teachers and going to schools. And so we're looking at, well, how, how could we, how might we? you know, preserve that, that spirit of curiosity that is free of the, uh, the constraints and the fears that seem to make it um, subside, because it does subside. I mean, if you look at questioning activity of kids, you know, it's really high when they first enter school, and then it seems to gradually go downhill as they go through um, the grades of school. So it's it's a great question to think about how could we reverse that or or at least um, stop the decline or slow the decline of questioning as kids um, go through school,
0: right? You, because there's there is so much of that, you know. I I talk about I I know personally kids that that wonderful storytelling ability they have. For example, they make up stories about everything, right. and then that begins to be confined when they get to school where they're expected to put it in a particular order and yeah. there are rules applied and they get graded on it and so mind you all of that is necessary to some point and yet at the same time a lot of us have scars from back there a lot of creative people are are deeply marked and have an internal critic problem that was yeah, that was nice. born way back then and a lot of people just let all the creativity go and accept the belief that they just aren't creative
1: at all. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and there's a close parallel with that and questioning. It's the same thing with questioning where, you know, you may be asking questions when you're starting out in school and somewhere along the line, you may be told, you know, uh, that that's not what we're talking about today or that question is off topic or we don't have time to deal with that right now. So, right,
0: one of my favorite responses or not least favorite responses I should say is because I, because I said so.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 Yeah. So, so we, we get that, that's, you know, that same, uh, those same scars or wounds, um, you know, in, in terms of our questioning. And, uh, and so it's, it, it's, it's a real problem and, you know, and, and I think teachers are grappling with it. It's, it's not easy because they have to, cover a lot of material and they have to maintain a a certain, uh, order within, within classrooms. So the, the challenge is, you know, how do you allow more creative expression? How do you allow more questioning and yet maintain the order that you have to maintain or have the control that you want to have so that you can cover exactly what you want to cover in class? It's, it's a real balancing act. For sure. teachers. And and I, I totally sympathize with the, the challenge they have in trying to allow for more creativity and for more curiosity and for more questioning. But it's so important, right? I mean it's like we, we have to do it. We have to find ways to do it because it's the essence of of learning and it's it's what gets people engaged. It's what get kids gets kids engaged in school as opposed to just sitting there being, you know, passive you know, uh, receptacles of information that's just being <laughs> downloaded into them. When you have that kind of an environment, it doesn't really do anybody any good because the kids are disengaged. They're really not absorbing that much of the information. And so what good is it doing? You know, so, so I think we have to figure out how to uh, both, you know, tap into their creativity and allow them to uh, engage in questioning and Explore their curiosity because that's what's going to get them really um, Involved in their own learning
0: Right, so, you know exploring curiosity I'm going to latch onto that and fast-forward us into so we're all adults and you know We're we're hoping that things might change with the new generation of kids coming up and we find a way to keep them asking questions But now yeah. here we are as adults and we're creative people and say we're doing what most of my people are doing Which is trying to write books how can we begin to access that, creative, that curiosity again that you just mentioned, I guess?
1: Yeah, well, I think a lot of it is about, um, is about stepping back. I, I use the, uh, the metaphor of stepping back or, or all the time because um, a lot of times, whatever we're doing, whether it's writing, whether it's our jobs uh, at work, um, we're in a certain um, habit uh, of doing things, certain ways of doing things, even certain ways of looking at, at things, certain ways of looking at the world. And one of the things you have to do to tap into your your questioner, your inner questioner, is to um, get yourself to slow down and step back from what y- your usual routine and be willing to ask uh, questions about, how you work, uh, why you work the way you do, um, why you tend to see things the way you do. So there's a lot of self-questioning involved. Um, Just being willing to uh, challenge yourself, challenge your own um, uh, habits, uh, your own styles. Maybe there are are styles, ways of working you use. Um, A questioner would challenge that. Uh, All the time, and be saying, you know, uh, gee, I um, I tend to start my writing always by doing this, or I tend to, you know, I'll create a full outline of my of my book. um, uh, But what if I came at it a different way? What if I instead, you know, started with a character and focused on the character instead of laying out the the plot in its entirety uh, there's a, there are all these variations and different ways you can approach problems and i think as a questioner what you're doing is you're challenging yourself to step back from whatever it is you usually do and look at ways to do it differently and i think that is very very valuable for anyone in in the creative field because the big thing i feel we have to stay out of is ruts uh, creative ruts and routines, that's going to cause us to lose our, um, you know, our spark of uh, of uh, imagination. It's going to maybe sap some of the creative energy out of our work. And it may, it may take some originality out of our work too. So we, we always have to be striving to um, come at this fresh, you know, whatever we're doing, come at this as fresh as we can. And I think that's where we can use questioning uh, to to challenge ourselves. Just to always ask uh, why why am I doing this way? What am I seeing? Um, why am I seeing it that way? What if I look at this from a different angle? Those kinds of questions can always um, or can often uh, trigger uh, new creative uh, associations and thought processes.
0: Right. I I actually I marked some of the well I actually. I keep saying actually a lot. I don't know. I'm thinking today. It seems to be my word of the day. I was like, I always have a word of the day that today is my word. I, when I was reading through this, I don't normally mark up books, and I have highlighted and underlined and marked things everywhere. So I was looking at here at some of the questions that I marked specifically. So one of them was about well, i'm trying to find it right now so, so there was one about actually you know maybe not literally standing on your desk
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's like it's like trying to change your it's like trying to change your point of view yeah and that's 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 a really powerful thing that that you can do um i i did make a reference to you know standing on your desk because you know a lot, a lot of us are remember the scene from the movie um with robin Williams.
0: oh yeah you know
1: <laughs> and oh, yeah. uh was the name of the movie where he's the teacher Ah,
0: dead poet society
1: Poet Society, right so there's a there's a great scene in the movie where he talks about and he, he actually gets the students to stand on their desk uh and the reason he does it is he says you know the world looks different from up here doesn't it and it, it and that's exactly what you are trying to do a lot of times when you're questioning and there are different questions you, you different questions you can use to do that like you can you can ask yourself the question of you know what would this look like to a child? Or what would this look like to a 90-year-old person? Um, What would this problem that I'm working on or this situation or this story, um, how would someone think about it if they came from a very different background than I do? So things like that, they're ways of shifting your perspective.
0: Well, sure, and I, I can see how that could be extremely, as a matter of fact, I've played with this a little bit, but if you're stuck in the middle of a novel, yeah. To, to begin like, well, what if I were to write this scene from this other character's point of view, even if it's not going in the book,
1: right? Exactly. Yeah, so yeah.
0: What, what will everything look like from over here or from over there? And that often shakes things loose.
1: Yeah, that, 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 I find that's one of the most important things you're doing with questioning. That you know, There's a few key things that questioning does that are, that are like overriding things that you can do with questioning. And one of the most important things questioning can do for you is help you to shift perspective. And that's so such a big thing. Uh, I mean, we, I don't think we realize how important shifting perspective is. Um, it affects everything. From a creative standpoint, shifting perspective will allow you to see your work from different angles. And you'll have revelations when you do that. You'll suddenly see, oh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this story in too limited a way, or I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking about it the way uh, someone would see it from a different angle. So it opens up all kinds of possibilities in your creative uh, storytelling, but it's also important in terms of relating to people, you know, being able to see things from someone else's perspective will help with your relationships, you know, and, and it helps with, um, our, our critical thinking, right, our, our ability, you know, one of the problems I feel we have today is that people are locked into their own um, view, their own worldview, and they get very set in their, um, their views of things, uh, politically and whatever. And so they never um, ask themselves, you know, what does this look like from another point of view? Uh, what if I take the opposite view on this issue? What would, what would that look like? We just don't tend to do that kind of thing as much as we should. And that is the the basis of critical thinking is, is, you know, your ability to step outside of your own um, viewpoint and try to see things um, a different way. So I think the more we can do that in our lives, the better off we are. And then the more we can do that in our creative work, uh, the more richness it's going to bring to our work.
0: Sure, absolutely. Well, I'm a believer in whatever you bring into your creative life is going to spill over into the rest of your life anyway. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm adopting this into my creative world, it's it's going to become part of the rest of my world because it's all interconnected. Um, so I was just thinking, you know, playing. playing I was just going to say,
1: sometimes it's it's as simple as asking, you know, what's the opposite of 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 what I was planning to do here or what what's you know i'm I was thinking of having this character do this what would be the opposite of of that for him or what you know and 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 that kind of uh, opposition oppositional thinking you might call it uh, where or thinking in opposites is just um, a really great way to um, uh, you know trigger all kinds of uh Uh, new ways of looking at things. I I think in the book, I I mentioned the famous, there's a famous uh, Seinfeld episode where the character George Costanza uh, just decides he's going to try to do everything the opposite from the way he would normally do it because (laughs) everything he does, he he screws up. So he says, well, maybe if I just do the opposite of what I'm inclined to do. Uh, And, you know, it's, it's, it's very funny in the show the way they treat it, but it's actually, that's actually a serious, um, uh, a field of study that, that, that people have, have look into when they talk about critical thinking uh, and overcoming your biases. They talk about that ability to uh, think in opposites or, or at least explore doing the opposite of what you'd normally do or thinking the opposite of what you'd normally think. It's a very, very powerful tool. Um, it doesn't mean you want to do it the, the, way, the way George did in <laughs> Seinfeld because it was a disaster for him. But... Um, But it means we should at least consider it. We should always consider the opposite. We may still end up doing what we were going to do before. But just considering the opposite gives you a whole different perspective.
0: Right. I love that. Um, It made me think about, I just watched an episode of The Big Bang Theory the other night in which uh, Sheldon decided that instead of doing his usual thing, and he's very very structured, has to do everything exactly the same way. He decided to run his life by throwing the dice and behaving as mm-hmm. if it was, a, you exactly. know, one of his role-playing games. Right, right. It was same, another same fast, yeah. yeah, another fascinating way of stepping outside of the usual seeing everything the same. So really what what I'm hearing is asking the questions just opens so many doors. Yeah to Absolutely. so many different ways of being, uh, creatively, relationships. You know, you talk about a lot about um, other areas of life, like business and critical thinking and those kinds of things as well. So do you have, like, one favorite question?
1: Oh, not really. I have lots of them. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the questions that uh, I talk about a lot, though, is um, the, the, the question... Uh, what would I attempt to do if I knew I couldn't fail? I like that question a lot. That's a question that originally, um, that it's been around for a long time, um, but it is very big in, um, in Silicon Valley right now. Um, a lot of uh, creative um, entrepreneurs and, and the, these people who are sort of creating all these new uh, amazing products uh, in the world of tech Um, they use that question as a way to, um, free up their, their creative thinking. So they, they're basically what you're saying is, um, you're trying to take away the fear of failure or the constraint of failure. So you're saying if failure was no possibility, if there was no way I could fail, um, what would I try to do? And so, you know, it allows you to be very bold in your ideas and, um, and then later on you can, you can come back and, uh. And, and deal with the ideas knowing that there is the possibility of failure. You know, obviously you you, you can fail at things. So, you know, you may end up not wanting to do the, this absolutely crazy thing you, you thought of, but having that free thinking at least for a while is very beneficial. It, it, it will, it will bring big, bold ideas to the surface. And I think that's really, really uh, powerful. You know, I mentioned, um, earlier that questions one of the things they do is shift your perspective or help right. you shift perso- another thing they do is they can allow you to change reality temporarily okay they, you you can't change it permanently unfortunately <laughs> questions aren't that powerful reality is still reality now see
0: i would i would I would add to that that they can change your reality permanently because as you ask those questions that shift your reality temporarily they lead you to do the things that can change your reality. That's true. Yeah,
1: they might eventually change your reality. I guess I guess what I'm saying is they don't immediately change it, the reality. It's not magic. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's not like a magic thing that say you can wish for you know the the possibility of failure to go away and it will go away. <laughs> um, but what they can do is temporarily change reality. So so what what you do with what you can do with questions is say what if uh, what if this character um, or, or what if this story uh, uh, took place in this world where um, things are totally different, they're not, they're, you know, everything works differently in this other world. Well, that's removing reality, right? It's temporarily removing the constraints of reality. And it's a great way to free up imagination, you know, so, so you'll find that there are lots of questions people can ask that are either um, removing constraints, like, uh, what if I had uh, unlimited budget, you know, what would i do then and it it allows you to be really creative right in thinking sure. about of what you might do um or you could use it to put constraints on you know um what if uh what if i had to write this story in the next 24 hours you know what would i do um how would i write it and and you know that that constraint it's sort of an artificial constraint but it it forces you to think totally differently so right. i think questions can do those kinds of what if questions are really powerful for creative people. And and I find that, you know, I'm finding nowadays that, uh, you know, I, I look at movies and stories and books and, and realize, you know, the whole thing is just a what if exercise, right? You know, um, I just saw the movie about the, um, the Beatles uh, uh, movie, uh, which is about, you know, what if the Beatles didn't oh yeah yeah
0: yeah we're wanting to see that one yes there's a guy
1: who knows all their music right the rest of the world as far as the rest of the world is concerned they the beatles have been blanked out of their minds and so what would happen if this one guy had all their music so um it's a it's a, a fascinating uh you know exercise and i was looking at the quentin tarantino movie the new quentin tarantino movie and that is a what if you know like having to do with the you know Ah, uh, the Manson family, What if they went into the wrong house? So it was like, um, you know there are all these uh, amazing uh, things you can do when you when you ask those kinds of uh, what if questions that just sort of say, you know, turn reality upside down and say, what if everything were totally different? Then how would the character behave? or how would how would this story unfold in a world where something was a little off or something right. was a little different?
0: Oh and I, I love this see now i'm just feeling all inspired to go create a whole bunch of story ideas
1: but yeah, I, just- yeah. well, I I recommend people you know one of the things I talk about a lot is i'm really big on um, three types of questions uh, why questions, what if questions, and how questions so in your creative work, I think you can use why questions a lot to say, you know why is it that when we talk about this subject, we never talk about this aspect of it Um, why are people so um irritated by this problem that's out there or this issue why does it get people so worked up when you ask those kinds of why questions you'll you'll force yourself to dig deeper and to really explore an issue or a subject by asking why you know lots and lots of why questions and then i mentioned what if questions well what if questions just unlock your imagination you know, what if this, what if we tried that? What if I, what if I married this character with this world? What if I, what if this character, uh, what if Einstein met Marilyn Monroe? You know, so, so we, we see this kind of what if um, questions being at the a driving force for a lot of creative stories. And then how questions are really important because sure. uh, after you come up with your big ideas, your what if scenarios, you need to figure out how am I going to make this work, right? So the how questions to me are the most practical ones. You know, they're the ones where you're saying, okay, I have a great idea. How do I put this thing together? Or I, I, I want to have this character go into this situation. How am I going to get that to all make sense? How am I going to get it to work out in the end? How will I, um, you know, how will I overcome the, the, the uh, how will I make it believable? How will I make it credible? So I think the how part to me is always that's where we're asking more practical questions. But I always advise people start with why and what if because you want to explore before you actually try to solve problems. You want to you want to explore the possibilities.
0: Right, and that's, and, what and that's just what I was like. gonna gonna say. Listening to is, I'm thinking how would be a question that you wouldn't want to ask first.
1: No, it's not. That's the people often do ask how too soon. Uh, they're saying, you know, they're asking, "How am I going to write a book that makes a million dollars?" so and to me, that's a that's a way too practical question to be asking. And and what you need to start in your start with in your creative process are the more exploratory questions, like why, you know, why is this subject so interesting, or why hasn't anybody told this story? Um, and then the, what if, what if I came at it from this angle or what if, what if we looked at the, what if we turned this whole world upside down and what if we looked at it a whole different way? So those kinds of exploratory questions are the ones that are going to really help you, uh, get to your story. And then later on, you're going to get to how, you know, you, when you have your story, you need to figure, oh boy, how do I work out this problem in the story? There's a big hole in it. Um, how am I going to figure that out? And that's when you get, I think that's when you get to the more practical how questions.
0: Sure. And then I'm thinking just to kind of wrap up that, that whole idea right there going turning it into a cycle so when you do get stuck in the middle and you hit one of those block moments stepping away from the how and going back to the why and the what if and then back to the how so kind of cycling through those three yeah you cycle
1: through them all the time and and i i study um innovators and people who create stuff you know who create engineers and people who create amazing products and technological breakthroughs and they're always cycling through those questions right so so they are uh, initially you know they're, they're they're coming up with the big why and what if questions that lead them to create something new and then they're usually running into a lot of problems you know because that's just the reality you know you you're creating something and it's not working it's not quite it's not quite what you thought in your imagination.
0: Never is.
1: It never is. And that's when you really have to say, you know, okay, um, how, how do I fix this problem? And then a lot of times you're cycling back to why again, because why isn't it working? Oh, why did I try to do it this way? Oh, I tried to do it because, because of this and that. Okay. Well, what if I reverse the order or what if I, you know, so, so I find that, You use that cycle repeatedly through the creative process. You use it in kind of a large, there's a large why, a large what if, and a large how. And then at the various stages, you may break it down into smaller why, what if, and hows um, when you're trying to fix a, a particular problem you're dealing with.
0: Sure. So, okay. Well, you know why, what if, and how are going on a sticky note on my desk. Um, thank you so much, Warren, for being here today. You guys, the book again is called "The Book of Beautiful Questions" by Warren Berger, and you can find out more about Warren. Do you want to tell them your website, Warren?
1: Yeah, my my website is a more dot com. So Perfect. just put those put those uh, those four words together all in one a more a more And, you know, on there, you'll find just a whole um, lot of stuff about questioning articles and and interesting uh, um, studies and facts and things that will help you uh, with your own um, questioning uh, techniques and abilities.
0: Sure. Perfect. And you guys, you're going to want the book, the book of beautiful questions. It's full of research and uh, questions. There's like 400 questions in this book. Yeah, there's about 400
1: 400 questions of of all kinds. And, uh, you know, the, the idea is, you know, these are a lot of these are questions you can go back and use again and again.
0: Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been very informative. I am feeling inspired and extra creative now and hoping that everybody else will be too. So, Uh, Go do something creative, you guys, and I will see you again on the next show.